May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As we consider this morning's gospel, one question arises immediately, what kind of crowds are these? And so we have to know where we are in Mark's gospel. We are in Jericho, and these crowds, possibly some of them followers of Jesus, certainly the disciples, but mainly these crowds are people who are gathering in Jericho to make the ascent to Jerusalem to keep the Passover festival. This is Jesus' last Passover. He is the lamb that will be sacrificed for the sin of the world. We're in Jericho with Jesus, with the disciples, and above all, we're with a crowd of people like Jesus making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the psalm we use this morning is one of the psalms of ascent. And these psalms of ascent were used by the pilgrims as they made their way, as they ascended from Jericho to Jerusalem, which is an ascent of about 1,000 meters, a good mile. And we encounter in this gospel Bartimaeus, and we're told he's the son of Timaeus which is basically a translation of Bartimaeus. Bar is Aramean for son, so he's the son of Timaeus. And Timaeus is well known to us through a dialogue by Plato, a dialogue in which Timaeus and Socrates discuss the origins of the universe. Why this is interesting to us? Because we've been following Jesus, if you remember from Syrophoenicia, across the Decapolis, now down into Jericho. And this is a name where you've got Aramean and Greek influences coming together. And often people say Jesus' ministry was primarily to the Jewish people. That is correct. But there was a ministry that stretches from the Syrophoenician woman to this point in the narrative that Jesus is reaching out to this very multi ethnic, multi-religious area of the Near East. His ministry expands from that moment in Tyre when he meets with the Syrophoenician woman. And this gospel has a number of other names or titles, you might say. So there's the name Bartimaeus, which is also in a way a title, son of Timaeus, And then we hear, Jesus of Nazareth. Who is this person, the blind man can't see? And he's told it's Jesus of Nazareth. And immediately when he hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth, he calls out with not any old title, but the title Son of David. And this is the first time in Mark's gospel that this title, this messianic title, is used. Think of this crucial moment in Mark's gospel, the first moment where son of David is used. 
Jesus ascends, as we know, to Jerusalem, and there he is greeted or he is welcomed as the Blessed One who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the Son of David. And that takes us back that there's a promise. There's a promise in Scripture in the Old Testament that a king will arise, and this king will be born, will be the fruit of David. And so we see this fulfillment, God's promise coming true. We see it in this proclamation, and Jesus receives the title. He doesn't rebuke the man and say, you got it wrong. He accepts the title. And it's the calling out of the name twice, Son of David, that makes Jesus stop and be still and call the man to himself. See that dynamic that's going on there. And he will be greeted in Jerusalem. In those words that we often use it. Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. The people have a sense that the messianic promise is now being fulfilled. We know that this is the trajectory that Jesus has a mission and he is going to be faithful to that mission, that which God entrusted to him. Even though it's a difficult path, it's a difficult way, he remains faithful. So the man comes to Jesus and he asks the man what he wants from him. And it seems obvious he wants to have his sight restored. And that's exactly then what takes place. But in that moment, he addresses Jesus no longer as the son of David, but now he addresses him as teacher. And in our translation, rather nicely done, my teacher. It's a personal relationship. He's moved the relationship from a very formal relationship, the son of David, messianic king, the one that's promised to my teacher. He comes to him as one who still wants to learn more. What does this mean, that God's promise is now being fulfilled? My teacher. And that's interesting when you look at what's coming in Jerusalem, when Jesus will be confronted by the scribes and the Sadducees and the scribe. All will say, teacher. Not my teacher. Teacher, because that's a title. A title by which you can address him. But here, in this instance, through our translation, it has to be said, we have that personal element where you say, my teacher, I want to learn from you. And that certainly has to be an attitude of us here. It doesn't matter how old we are, how much we think we know. There has to be the attitude that I can still learn from God. I can still learn about the ways of God. I can still grow in my faith, grow in my faith towards God. Because we are always growing towards God. We're always going towards God. You might say we're always going towards our cross because we all know that we must face our own death. There's no way around that. But the perspective of the Christian is that we see bigger. We don't just see the moment of death. We see also what is promised to us. God keeps his promise. The son of David does come, 
in the form of Jesus. God will keep his promise and will give us everlasting life because we are conquerors. Conquerors because Christ has conquered both sin and death. And so this could give us a confidence towards living towards our end. Let us just finish now by seeing what takes place. The man is face to face with Jesus. The man asks Bartimaeus, this mixed man, partially Greek, partially Armenian, living in the Near East, is healed. And what is the first thing he sees? What is the first thing he sees? That's what you need to take away with you. He sees Jesus. He sees the face of Jesus. He looks onto this unlitz Gottes, you might say, in human form. He came flesh and dwelt among us. He sees Jesus. And what does he see? What do you see? And if asked what you need, what can I do for you? In this moment, how would you articulate that for yourself? And are you ready to ask and ready to believe and ready to receive?